0: Paperlike is a magical screen protector for your iPad that makes it feel like you are writing on paper. I use my iPad to take notes for school and to journal and to plan my whole life out and I love that I get the convenience of writing on my iPad with the comfort of it feeling like I'm writing or drawing on paper. To pick up your own Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash gruesome, click buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now until January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost with every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. Ready to do more with your iPad? Head over to paperlike.com slash gruesome to get started. <laughs> Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I am Meg, and my (laughs) Disney guidebook, Connie, is
1: going to tell us about Stephen Stainer. I hope that all of you are having an enjoying, relaxing holiday season, Whatever you celebrate, or if you celebrate at all, just some relaxation time. We have two more Christmases we have to do, but when that's done, I'm like holiday hungover. Like, I'm... I'm ready to be done for a while. <laughs> I'm
0: ready to take these decorations I just want to down. gonna be a
1: potato again. Like that's it. It's like I can't let my house potato too much because I got people coming over two more times.
0: Oh yeah, that sucks. I'm honestly really like I was supposed to host, but then we ended up not hosting because of the storm. And I'm we were supposed to go somewhere. We went to my
1: husband's grandparents on Christmas Eve, but the storm, like the winter storm, we didn't go and. Not doing anything on Christmas Eve was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Just relaxing.
0: I think that's what the holidays are. Just relaxation. Just relaxing. Okay,
1: tonight I actually have a first ever for an individual case for gruesome. I have the first of a two-part series. Oh, different cases, but they're connected. I'll talk about it at the end. But it's a two-parter this next couple weeks, guys. So I know doing a podcast like this, it seems like every kidnapping case that we talk about is the result of a stranger targeting an innocent person. But what I don't think a lot of people realize is just how rare that is for someone to be kidnapped by a stranger. Meg, you know, it's out of all of the cases of children being reported missing, less than 1% of them are abducted by strangers. There are approximately 840,000 children who are reported missing each year or 840,000 people who are reported missing. And 85% to 95% of those are children. And tonight we're going to talk about one of those kids, Stephen Stainer. Merced, California is in the San Joaquin Valley in between LA and San Francisco. In 1972, it was described as your typical American town. It boasted as the gateway to Yosemite National Park. It's located about an hour and a half from the park, but the Highway that runs to the park runs right next to Merced. And I may be saying that wrong. Yeah, is it right? Merced? Yes. Hey. That's right. Yeah. You got it. On December 3rd, <laughs> 1972, Stephen Stainer attended his best friend Sharon's birthday party. The seven-year-old was the life of the party. He had an infectious smile and a mischievous laugh. He brought her a stuffed koala, which was easily her favorite gift of the day, he even stayed a little after the party so that Sharon could show him where she was going to put it on her headboard so that it could keep her safe at night from any monsters that may be lurking. The next day at school was your typical party decompress for Steven, Sharon, and the other party goers. Which you remember those days, like when you'd have a birthday party over the weekend and like Monday was all about like what happened at the birthday party and like just...
0: Oh well, yeah, we were, uh, we were, I was a big slumber partier. So it was always, mm-hmm.
1: and I, ju- I know party. they don't do birthday parties like that anymore. Like we don't have big friend parties for our kids because parents don't take their kids anywhere. And it just, yeah, it's no. not like it was in like the late nineties, <laughs> early two thousands when like, when you got that invite to a birthday party, it was like the shit you were like, can't tell me nothing. Can't. Get- yeah, for real. I remember inviting
0: like 20 other like 10, 11, 12 year olds to my house for my birthday party. Like, I would never let my kid do that. I'd be like, absolutely not. We're not inviting 12, 12 year olds here. And, well, it used to, to.
1: No. That you could <laughs> just invite your friends. Now you invite like, whole, you have to invite the whole class. And then it's like, you don't know who the people are. You're not, you know, you don't really know. So it's. You don't know their
0: parents. It kind of sucks.
1: Like, I. I am the mom who makes their kids go to birthday parties, like even just for like a hot second, like you're going to the birthday party or you're taking them a gift just so. I've seen too many videos or pictures on Facebook where the kid is just like sitting there and no one shows up. they don't show up.
0: Mm. We've never even gotten a birthday party invitation for like... We, I take that back. We got one that was like at Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. Like hey we're gonna be at Chuck E. Cheese. Come to Chuck E.
1: Cheese.
0: I was like, <laughs> You're like let's go. I to go to Chuck E. Cheese let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that we've
1: never had like a party invitation. Well Sharon had a party no. for her friends that Sunday sure. and then Monday December 4th she was going to have a family party slash like couple of her best friends and like their parents and Steven, Stevie as he was called and that's how I'm gonna refer to him for the rest of the episode. Stevie was definitely on the guest list for the second night's festivities too. So he was going back to Sharon's on Monday. Sharon asked Stevie if he could walk home with her and hang out with her before the party. But Stevie told her that he had to go straight home after school and do a couple of chores. But he assured her that he was going to ride over with his mom later that evening. The bell rang at 2.30 and Sharon and Stevie started their walk home. When the two of them got to the point where they parted waves, they waved goodbye, knowing they would see each other again in just a few short hours. The two of them had a really special friendship because Stevie's friends started to realize like his best friend was a girl and he was like, like, oh, you're, she's a girl. She's a girl. But like Stevie did not care. Sharon was his ride or die. At four o'clock, Judy Carr, Sharon's mom, got a phone call. On the other end of the line was Kay Stainer, Stevie's mom. Judy, she asked, is Stevie at your house? Judy called out for Sharon and asked if Stevie had come home with her after school because he very well could have. She was busy getting ready for the party that night. She'd been cooking finger foods and cleaning up. So he could have been up there. She didn't know. When Sharon came in the room, she told her mom just what Stevie had told her, that he had to get right home after school so he wasn't able to come to her house. When Sharon asked if something was wrong, Judy assured Sharon that everything was fine and just to continue getting ready for the party. When Judy got back on the phone and told Kay that Stevie wasn't there, she sensed panic in Kay's voice. He didn't come home from school today, Judy. He should have been home over an hour ago. Judy tried to reassure her friend, telling her that she was sure he probably just stopped and played soccer or he was playing with some other local boys and that he was probably going to walk through the door at any moment. Kay told her friend that she had sent her husband out looking for him, but after another hour, Stevie wasn't, still wasn't home. She had called Judy two more times within that hour, She called the school, she talked to the principal, as well as a few more of Stevie's friends, but no one had seen him since he departed school. Kay made the decision that it was time to call the police, but her reasoning was maybe that they could check the hospitals. The idea of someone taking her boy wasn't something that she had even considered. Kay called the police and a patrol car was dispatched to their home immediately. The bolo for Steven went out. Age seven, male, Caucasian, brown hair, brown eyes, four foot, 10 inches tall, between 60 and 65 pounds. Last seen at 2.30, wearing a tan hooded jacket, Levi jeans, blue pullover shirt, and black shoes. The bolo alerted that Steven had a history of headaches and was prone to blackouts on occasion from them. The officer was at their house by 5.30, so this is not one of those cases where they're like dragging their feet. The police got involved immediately. Officer Hyde was the officer who was dispatched to the stainers. After going over the events of the day and possible friends that Stevie may have been with, he asked to be shown around the house. First, he went into Stevie's room, and then he asked to be shown around the backyard to see if it was on pillars or a cement slab. In his mind, he knew that if parents murdered their children, they had a tendency to keep the bodies close to home, either buried under the house or in their backyard. So he immediately was like, I'm going to check this out. He came to the con- conclusion that the parents, like their worry was genuine. But, you know, as an officer and because statistics, like I mentioned above, the likelihood of the kid knowing their abductor was pretty high. When he called into dispatch to the supervisor, his words were, this could be the real deal. Chief Harold Colbeth made the decision not to involve the FBI until the next day, just in case this was a case of a kid who was hiding out with a friend versus a kid who was genuinely abducted which I I don't know if I agree with that, but I can see why he did it. It's 1972. Yeah, also, it's exactly.
0: 1972.
1: Search teams were set up, and they were going door-to-door to door in town the next day. Officer Lou Price was tasked with going to Judy and Sharon's house. He lived close to there, and he would often see Stevie and Sharon walking home together. The cars opened their home to Officer Price, letting him look around, talk to Sharon, A couple of the officers checked their pool house and around the pool just in case there had been an accident or he was hiding in the pool house, but there was no sign of Stevie. And with each passing hour, it was starting to look like the worst possible scenario was the most likely one. And everyone in the small town had the same question. Where was Stevie? On that December afternoon, Stevie had no idea that he was walking into a trap. Kenneth Parnell and Edward Murphy were waiting for Stevie to pass. Kenneth Parnell was a convicted pedophile, and Murphy was, by all accounts, just his crony and co-worker. Parnell had enlisted Murphy for one specific job, and that was to kidnap a boy. He was 41 years old. Parnell was 41 years old, described it ha- as having a scruffy beard, a receding hairline, and a weak jaw. Parnell picked Murphy because he was barely five feet tall, and he thought a kid wouldn't be as intimidated by him. He was also described as having like a mental deficit. So he was easily, it was easy for him to manipulate part. It was easy for Parnell to manipulate him. So by all like Murphy was going to do whatever Parnell told him to do. Parnell had been watching Stevie for a week and he knew that he was the boy that he was going to take. He was even prepared to abduct his friend that usually walked with him and quote, dispose of him at his convenience but his friend actually got called out of school that day. His parents picked him up so he could go buy new shoes. Yeah, like talking about like love. <laughs> Murphy asked if he was going to have to hurt the boy, but Parnell told him that Murphy wasn't to touch him at all and that the boy was going to be his son. When Stevie walked down the road, he didn't pay any attention to the two men sitting in the car. Parnell told Murphy to remember the kid's name is Steven. He got out of the car. He called to Stevie. He told him that his name was Mr. Murphy and he pointed to Parnell and told him that his name was Reverend Parnell. He told Stevie that they were raising money for a new church and asked him if he wanted to donate. Stevie told him that he didn't have any money, so he couldn't. And then he asked, maybe your mom would like to donate, make a donation to the church. And Stevie's like, I don't know. You're going to have to ask her. Murphy told Stevie that they could take him home, but Stevie's like, no, it's only a couple of blocks. I'm going to walk. And then Murphy like, continued to reason with him. But we don't know the way to your house. We can't drive too slow or we might we might get a ticket. And then he was like, come on, you can show us the way. Reluctantly, Stevie agreed. Only as you already know, Parnell and Murphy did not take Stevie home. They drove about 30 miles away to a rented cabin at Kathy Valley Cabin Resort. Stevie realized immediately that the cabin wasn't a church. Parnell assured him, that he was going to call his mom for him and let him know where he was. Murphy was really reluctant to go inside the cabin because he knew that Pardell was a pedophile, and he wasn't sure if he wanted to be a part of what could happen next. To which I say, fuck off, because you learned.
0: Yeah, yeah you, just- you
1: just helped him exactly. You You're learned this a kid boy. to a pedophile. Like you don't get a you don't get to have remorse like at any. What did you think he was going to do? He was going to be his son? In what, like, exactly? you're still stealing a child? Like, in what capacity? Parnell had prepared for this. He bought new toys for Stevie to play with. He had them on the floor, and he was like, hey, just play with these toys. I'm going to go call your mom. But the phone in the cabin didn't work. It wasn't even hooked up. But he played out this fake conversation on the phone. He told Stevie, he asked Stevie what his mom's name was. um, And so he said that he was calling Kay. He asked Kay, pretended to ask Kay, if it was okay if Stevie could spend the night. But Stevie quickly replied, like, hey, no, I can't. Because the way Pardell approached it was like, hey, your mom wants to know if it's okay if you sleep over here. And Stevie's like, nope, I can't. It's my best friend's birthday party. I have to go there. So he got back on the phone. He was like, well, you know, he's really worried about Sharon's birthday party. And so then he looks at Stevie and says, oh, they've moved the party till the next day. Like, don't worry about it. You're not going to miss anything. Late that night, Stevie told him, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go home. Parnell looked at him and said, I don't know how to tell you, but I'm going to be your daddy now. He told him that his parents could no longer afford to take care of him. So a judge awarded custody to him. He told Stevie that he had the legal papers and everything. Stevie cried out that he wanted to go home and that he didn't want to be there, that his parents would never do that. So Parnell slapped him and told him that his parents didn't love him anymore, so they gave him to him. But Stevie knew that wasn't true. That night, Stevie was physically and sexually assaulted for the first time by Parnell. Stevie's parents never gave up hope looking for Stevie. For years, they made sure that Stevie's face was in the news. They grew overprotective of his siblings, especially Stevie's older brother, Carrie. They wouldn't let the kids walk even a block down the road. The thought of losing another kid was just too much to bear. And honestly, who could blame them? Parnell changed Stevie's name to Dennis. He brainwashed Stevie into complacency. He routinely molested and beat Stevie. When, so Murphy and Parnell worked at the Yosemite National Park together. When uh, Parnell went back to the office to like clean out his desk, Murphy was there and like, Murphy had another chance to free Stevie. He saw that he was about to hit the road with this kid. And he still did nothing. He still didn't call anybody. He didn't call anybody afterwards. He said that he saw how the kid looked. Like his eyes were still like red and puffy. He had been crying a lot. And he still again did nothing to help him.
0: He could have left.
1: Bad immediately cabin. called and then gone I've even, made a like, horrible hey. mistake.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, yeah. like. Immediately. Yeah. Parnell enrolled Stevie into schools all over the place. And the cycle would be new job and then new school. If Parnell thought things were getting sketchy, he would up and move and start the cycle again. He brought, or I'm sorry, he bought, sorry, my, I had like a burp in my throat. He even bought him a dog who he named Queenie just to try to be like, Hey, look, I'm taking care of you. You're my son now. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Everything Parnell did was to control Stevie. That first day, he cut and dyed his hair, so he was not easily recognized, and he thought through it. He's like, I can't dye it too dark. It'll look like I'm hiding something. I can't cut it too short. It'll look like I'm hiding something. To the world, publicly, Stevie, or Dennis, as Parnell called him, was his son, and privately, he was tortured and abused. But still, Stevie persevered. He played the part. He was terrified of what Parnell would do. And through all of this, Stevie could never understand how his parents or why his parents would just give him away. He often wondered if, like, did he give my siblings away? Like, what is happening? For seven years, seven years, oh
0: my God. Stevie
1: endured the torture that was to be Parnell's son. But Stevie eventually aged out of Parnell's preference. Parnell decided that he, once again, was going to abduct a boy. He even tried to get Stevie to do the actual kidnapping after one of his friends, like, botched it. But Stevie sabotaged it every chance that he could. Finally, he bribed a kid at Stevie's school with drugs and cash to do the kidnapping. Sean Porman tried to back out, but Parnell threatened him. And seven-year-old Timothy White was abducted and was soon told he was Stevie's new brother. They planned to lure the boy to the car, pretending to need assistance, but Timmy was like, no, I'm not helping you. Mm-mm. The boy ran towards Stranger his danger. home as Parnell shouted at Portman to get him. Porman chased the child until they reached a chain fence. Sean Porman pried the boy's tiny fingers from the fence as he screamed. He threw him into the back of the car and they sped off. His parents were terrified. Despite the frenzied abduction, no one saw a thing. And the same thing as with Stevie, appeals were broadcast, flyers were distributed, searches were launched, but there was no sign of Timmy. Just like he had done seven years earlier, Parnell wasted no time in changing his appearance, dyeing the boy's hair brown and changing his clothes. He renamed Timmy and began telling him the same lies that he told Stevie. It was hearing Timmy being told the same things that made Stevie realize just how bad things had been for him. He knew Timmy had a family missing him. And he's like, maybe I do too. Timmy cried for his parents every day. He was abducted in mid-February. Stevie made sure that he was home early from school each day so that Parnell couldn't abuse the little boy like he had done to him. Two weeks after Timmy had been abducted, they left the house together while Parnell was working in night shift as a security worker. They hitchhiked over 40 miles. They were trying to find Timmy's home. Stevie often carried Timmy, who was tired and crying through the rain as they tried to find his house. As they got to the police station at midnight, Stevie told Timmy to go inside and tell the policemen his name and that they would bring him home to his parents. Timmy was frightened and didn't want Stevie to leave. He ran back to him sobbing and at this point is when a police officer approached them. Stevie gave an an interview to the press before he was given back, like before he even saw his parents. His Parents were called and they were like, hey, we have a boy here who's saying that he is Stevie. And it had been seven years since they had seen their son. They're like when they were reunited, that was also caught on like TV. It was broadcast everywhere. He led them to where Parnell was and Parnell was arrested. Over the course of separate trials, Parnell's defense attorney stated that Stevie could have left at any time, but he chose not to. They said that the kidnapping occurred before California's Whatever. three-year statute of limitations, and therefore he could not be prosecuted for that offense. Prosecutors argued that Stevie was a psychological prisoner, which he was, and the kidnapping was a continuous mm-hmm. event for the entire seven years, which I would have... He was a child. Also, he was, I, a, was child. a child. He yeah. Like, you can't say, he, oh, yeah, he can
0: leave whenever he wants. Like, you... Couldn't tell any child that because no child can just, like, leave whenever they want. And you're being
1: physically and sexually abused constantly. Like, constantly. You're being told that your parents don't love you. That you don't have any family. And, like, after a while. Yes. You
0: are given to
1: someone. A psychologist testified that Parnell would switch between violent sexual abuse and extraordinary freedom. Stephen was effectively brainwashed into thinking that he had no other option but to stay. He had come to believe that the life that he had with his abuser was the only life he would ever have. He didn't know that his family was searching for him or like that they even cared. He literally had no idea. Murphy, the man that Parnell had duped into assisting him was also convicted of kidnapping. At first police were suspicious of Stevie. Um, when they at first they thought they he was the one who kidnapped Timmy, like because I mean, they thought he had kidnapped Timmy because he, yeah, was what, yeah, they, thought he at kidnapped this point him. they didn't believe him who he was at first. They were like, Wait a second, like, no, no,
0: it's weird that we would find mm-hmm. two kidnapped kids together almost like the same person. Um, police did realized
1: that. that Parnell had previous convictions of sodomy, but he had never been suspected of anything because he never, never registered as a sex offender. The, mm-hmm. Yes. Like, how does that just get lost? Like, how does the state just, like, lose a conviction? Isn't that, like, yeah, a don't you have a,
0: like,
1: uh, an officer that
0: follows up on that kind of stuff that's like,
1: hey, you are supposed yeah, again, to do the this 70s, or you go so. back to
0: jail, right?
1: Yeah. Um, that following summer... Kenneth Parnell was convicted of kidnapping Steven Stainer and Timothy White. Sean Portman, who assisted in the kidnapping of Timmy was also convicted and sentenced to time in a juvenile correction facility. Kenneth Parnell was not charged with the hundreds of sexual assaults he committed against Stevie and other boys because they had occurred outside the jurisdiction of the Merced County prosecutor and took place outside of the statute of limitations. The whatever Mendocino County prosecutors acting almost they decided not to prosecute parnell for the sexual assaults that occurred in their jurisdictions (laughs) i know like what the fuck what what the fuck kenneth parnell was sentenced to eight years and eight months eight years and eight months i want to say that again he was only sentenced for kidnapping a Kid for seven years
0: and then doing it again
1: for because he he could? the sexual assault like they didn't that's charge crazy. him crazy so he was sentenced to eight years and eight months in prison for one count of kidnapping and one year and eight months for the other. He was sent to prison in February of 1982 and released on parole in April of 1985. No, the legislation. Oh, yeah, it's, that's oh, how I, I felt when I was reading. I was oof. like, this can't be right. This can't be right. The legislation surrounding kidnapping convictions changed after this case to ensure offenders serve consecutive life sentences for each offense. Things didn't go great for CB when he returned. Yes, his family loved him. They were so excited to see him back, but he was teased in school over the sexual abuse that he endured, so much that he eventually dropped out, and things weren't much better at home. He was raised by Parnell to be able to drink and smoke as he pleased and to return to like a normal, healthy lifestyle with his parents was difficult. Steven publicly questioned if everyone would have been been better off had he never come home. And allegedly at the behest of his father, he declined to seek counseling. So he did not have counseling for the seven years of trauma that he endured.
0: Because his dad was like, no, you don't need that. Like, just bootstrapped your sexual abuse.
1: It's okay. Ugh. things eventually Ugh. got so bad that his dad kicked him out of the house.
0: Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah.
1: Like, what did like, he think was going to happen? He was able you to think- do, and that's how these, and this is nothing against his parents because I can, I would have no idea how to handle this either. And like, it is the seventies. So the research Is it there to be like, okay, they need therapy. They, this kid needs to be in therapy. He needs to be, I would even venture as to say at first, like inpatient therapy, just as like a decompression of what happened to him. As Stevie entered Mm -hmm. his early twenties, things were actually finally starting to look up for him. He was living a more stable life. He got married. He had two kids. He was in training to become a, a security officer. He had joined the church. He had volunteered to help others who had been going, who had went through similar traumas. One night on his way home from work, uh, Stephen was killed in a hit and run accident on his motorcycle. He was only 24 years old when he died.
0: Oh my God. I know. How could you do this to me? <laughs> <laughs> this kid's whole life... Was awful. He had his and whole then, like. He
1: finally was like at lived. a point where he that could live sucks. his whole life, like not just exist, but to actually live it. And it was cut short. Um, he wasn't wearing a helmet, but the person who hit him on his motorcycle just left, and they were only punished with three months in jail and a hundred dollar fine.
0: How it, like?
1: How can the system fail you harder than you've been for he, seven years? So he was putting... a pizza delivery guy, <laughs> and um. It was a night, it was raining, but he didn't have his driver's license. So the guy asked, like, the boss asked him if he wanted to drive the company truck. And he was like, no, I don't have a license. I don't want to get in trouble for not having it. So he got on his motorcycle instead. So he didn't get into trouble. And then this happened. I was gutted. I was like, what? Outsourcing. Sometimes it almost feels low quality and exploitative to say. We get it. You want to maintain the integrity of your company, but hey, we have a secret. You don't have to do it all. There is a way to outsource and it be high quality and value aligned. Unlike most business process outsourcing companies, Partner Hero's management team includes individuals from the startup world. So they're more than a service provider. They're also a thought partner for the startups they serve. Brands that care about quality customer experience choose Partner Hero. Partner Hero has flexible terms and the ability to scale quickly, which is perfect for startups. Quality assurance is baked into every program. Running a company is overwhelming, but Partner Hero can help. Their expertise is a game changer. Get out of your support inbox so you can focus on running your business. Partner Hero is perfect for companies that are experiencing rapid growth or preparing for scaling up, or maybe you just have a business season and need a few more hands on debt. If you're ready to bring in an outside customer support help for your startup that feels like it's part of your existing team, check out Partner Hero. Head on over to partnerhero.com gruesome to book a free consultation with their solutions team. Mention you heard about Partner Hero from Gruesome, and they'll waive the startup fee. 500 people attended his funeral. Ugh. One of his pallbearers was 14-year-old Timmy White. The inscription on Stevie's casket read, going home. Timmy had a relatively normal life because of Stevie's bravery and his ability to get him out of there. He became an LA County Sheriff's deputy. He was also married and had two children. But on April 1st, 2010, he died at age 35 from a pulmonary embolism. Oh my God. What the hell? After Kenneth Parnell got out of prison, he stayed under the radar in January of two thousand three, he tried to convince a nurse a nurse to kidnap a young boy for him. He, offered, yeah, he offered her oh. five hundred dollars. Oh. He was sentenced to twenty five years to life under California's three strikes law for solicitation to commit a felony. No doubt, yeah, that's strike three. I mean, and honestly, mm-hmm. after strike, he was, was seventy two years old. That. Timmy White testified at his trial, and Stevie's earlier trial transcript was also read to jurors. He served less than four years of his sentence because he died in January of 2008.
0: Are Just you ready for this, how it's going to go
1: to a second part? Right. No. Stevie's yes, family had asked for a it. park to be named Stainer Park in his honor, but the council didn't accept this in the fear that the community would associate the park with another Stainer. Stevie's older brother and convicted serial killer, Carrie Stainer, the Yosemite Park killer. Sorry. Okay, guys, say it with me. Convenience. We're busy. You don't want to lug around your big blender and you sure as heck don't want to stand in line or pay the prices at a smoothie bar. You want quick, nutritious, and you want it on the go. I have to tell you about my hands-down favorite new kitchen gadget, the Blendjet 2. Blendjet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. I'm already counting down to warm weather, so I can blend up a cocktail from the boat or the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. It lasts 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via USB C. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go because remember, we love convenience. There are 30 plus colors and patterns to choose from. I am obsessed. Meg is obsessed. We've been texting about this nonstop. My husband already picked out one that matches his style because we both have to be able to make margaritas. I mean, nutritious smoothies. What are you waiting for? Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code GRUESOME12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 Portable Blender. Go to BlendJet.com and use the code GRUESOME12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. So my next case will be covering, this was like a teaser for it. Like, this is like, this should have been a happy ending for this family. Like, Stevie coming home should have been the happy ending. Well,
0: I mean obviously his brothers and sisters at home were going through trauma and especially yes. if their parents like I don't know if I was a parent in that situation and that's, like yeah, how I, I didn't go would handle too it much not about well. like,
1: the home life at the time cuz we're going to cover that in the next episode. But yeah, his brother is like a very notorious serial killer. You
0: no, know, I heard, I've heard about Carrie because uh my family
1: He's mm-hmm. from
0: right around Yosemite. Uh, I was hoping and- you would have, so-
1: since you have family in that area.
0: i of
1: going to give him uh, give a call. call
0: a while, Maybe it might be a weird <laughs> phone call. Hey, do you remember this? <laughs> uh, they probably wouldn't care. Obviously. But yeah. Is-
1: wow. Well, that yeah, was a really sad piece. I. It started as... It happened in December. And I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about this case. December 4th is actually my brother's birthday. And I was like, I'm going to talk about this case. And then I got sick and we had, like, switched things around. And I was like, well, it's still December. But I had already, like, researched both cases. And I was like, I got to do it. Because I'm too... Like, what are the fucking odds? Like, what are the odds? Yeah, like, okay. your brother... There's movies about this. Um, There's a docu-series on Hulu right now. It's called Captivate Audience. I just... I just can't imagine enduring that and even trying to live a normal life afterwards. I still, like we talked about it when we recorded your episode, your ability to persevere and to be as normal as you are like by society standards is still something of awe to me. And yeah, I can't but I'm imagine only normal
0: we... on the outside. Like I still yeah. have like weird things.
1: <laughs> yeah, but like you know I couldn't imagine having Seven years of that.
0: No. I don't know that anyone would have made it. Like, I don't... It's it's a testament to Stevie's strength and, mm-hmm. like, willpower and his, like, perseverance that he continued to,
1: like, try and afterwards and continue his life. That trauma, like... We'll dig into it, like, when we talk about, like, his brother. But it affects the entire... Clearly, it affects the entire family. Mm -hmm. Like, it affects the entire family. I just... And uh, I think about the little shithead kids who were, like, making fun of him and, like, talking shit about the abuse that he endured. Like
0: That's gross.
1: It's... And... Maybe I live in this, like, glass bubble of, like, just hoping that things are better. I know kids can still be mean, but I feel like parents are, at least in my experience, parents seem to be doing better at holding their kids accountable for it. It's like... Yeah, if they know about it, I think that is absolutely yeah. true. Like, you can't...
0: The kids can't be assholes and, like, to... And it sucks, too, because, like sometimes kids are just assholes like their brains aren't fully formed yet and you can call them out on it and you can say hey you can't do that but like a lot of times when they're especially when like they're younger they're just they're only thinking about themselves and what they're thinking and how it's affecting
1: them and i just had my oldest plays games with his friends online and i just had to like Have a come to Jesus moment with them because they were like talking shit to each other, but they were getting like not your normal like shit talking. They were getting like ugly, and I was like, (laughs) "You too personal. (laughs) You are not going to talk to people like that." Because when I have to start hearing about it from other people's parents, like you guys talking shit to each other, that's when I step in and I'm like, "Nope, we're not doing this. You just won't play games online with your friends if that's how it's going to be." Like I know it's as gross as it sounds. Boys will be boys in the sense of they're going to shit talk their friends. All of them do. Like my grown husband still shit talks his friends online when they're playing games. But like when you're 12 and 13 and then other people's parents are hearing you talking shit like and then I have to hear about it. Like. But also it gets to a point because nobody ever calls them out on it. That's
0: the mm-hmm. issue is no one ever stops them and says, hey, that's not an appropriate way to talk to anyone.
1: No, no. Yeah, like my husband had a friend who like they talked so much crap to him to a point where like he didn't play games with them for a while and they were just like oh yeah I don't know what's wrong I'm like you guys are really mean like that's what's wrong like if Meg ever talked to me like that like we like joke with each other but if you were ever like attacking like my physical appearance or like things I was insecure about like I'd be like oh well I guess we're not friends anymore like not just laugh it off like oh ha ha ha
0: yeah. Or and also like you would tell me. You would be like, Hey, that wasn't yeah. nice. That fucking hurt my feelings. Yeah, like and I that... would be like, Oh my god, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. I would thought I was joking and that
1: would <laughs> and be like, too hard. I am the first person to tell you that like a bitch can take it too far because I've been there. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> I literally in like the last six months have had friendships like waver. Because I joke too hard. And part yeah. of that is my trauma. Like, yeah. Like, just like, I'm like, oh, we're being funny like this? Like this funny? Because mm-hmm. I wouldn't care if someone did it back to me. But I understand that not everyone is at that. Like,
1: that's and, not everybody. Yeah, like, I, I believe, like, we have made the very ill joke of, like, <laughs> walking around in high me. school, like, being, like... Oh well, you're not gonna get. We're safe. You're not gonna get kidnapped twice. Like, who right. are the odds of that? Like,
0: and like, I assume, or I, I don't anymore. But I have assumed that other people are at peace with their own like bad shit that happens to them. So when I'm it, like, it's okay for them to joke about it, but it's not okay for you to joke about. it. And, yeah, like, I've told you that it's okay, but yeah, like, other people have not told me. That and I've
1: okay made either. jokes with myself. I've literally like. A cover they're like, Oh, do you think you can get hit in the face? And i like I'm like, Oh yeah, in my experience, I, can I definitely it. can get hit in the face. <laughs> like Ugh, yeah. or that's... like you ever I never remember, I think it was one of my husband's friends. He's like, What you ever been hit by a guy before? And I was like, Yeah, he hit like a bitch. Like, like and then I'm like, Oh wait, that's in poor taste. People <laughs> probably don't find that is like, ha huh? Yeah, so <laughs>
0: We'll try to not joke too hard with <laughs> we try if you not need do- us if you need us to not joke too hard with you if we ever see you in prison you just say hey too hard too much <laughs> it's too, too much hard. it's too much even my kids will come up to me now and they'll tell me like or they'll normally it's about their dad they'll just be like dad was joking too hard because it's like, if you want to hang out with us, it's kind of like, that's what you have to be able yeah. to do a little bit. You just have that. Uh, mm. And I know that it's not always a cute look. Uh-huh. I've had some, like, what's wrong
1: with you? And I'm like, do you want the full medical diagnosis? <laughs> like, do you want me to tell you? Should <laughs> I like start like from when I was a child?
0: <laughs> like, how much? How much what's wrong with me do you want? Do you just want bare minimum
1: or... I also life story. that everybody else trauma dumps on people like I do, and then like I realized like more people are like more guarded with their like past and their history, which is totally cool. And I'm like, oh, you don't want to tell me every secret, every sad thing that's happened to you because I'm going to give you a list. <laughs>
0: I went to this convention. It was like a women's it was a conference. It was like a women's conference, and I was at this section because they have different speakers, and I was sitting next to a lady and she was like oh what do you do and I was like I have a true crime podcast and I was telling her about it and she was like oh wow how did you build your audience and I was like well I kind of had a story initially that like I thought people might want to hear and she was like oh what was it and I just like told her and she was like oh and she did not talk to me for the rest of that time (laughs) after that I was like when I tell
1: people they're like well what would you what made you want to start a podcast I'm like oh Meg was kidnapped (laughs) <laughs> and we talked about it and they're like wait what yeah I i'm like didn't... yeah it's not a big deal anymore it's whoops. fine
0: whoops sorry well we did have an email recently where someone asked because we referenced that and somebody asked like is there a reason you like you say that and that is why because i was kidnapped you can go listen to it back in episode two two if you're new here so <laughs> welcome
1: welcome welcome to the very awkward party to the to the shit show um, do you guys want to laugh? Did I tell you the potato potato? I don't know. Okay. So when I lived in Louisiana, there was this potato place and it just said potato potato on it. And you could go and get these like big potatoes. And it's like, it's like this whole thing. It was amazing. Well, I'm talking about, we did like uh, stuffed potatoes for my, like with my husband's family for Christmas. I was like, we should just do like baked potatoes, like a, potato do a, a potato bar, a potato bar. That sounds awesome. It was awesome. It was amazing. And so I start talking about my favorite potatoes from this place. And I look at my father-in-law. I'm like, yeah, it's called potato potato. It's kind of funny. He's like looking at me and they all like kind of stop eating. They're like, it's probably potato potato. And I was like, Holy shit. I think you may be right. I always wondered probably why they right. named it Potato Potato. <laughs> because it was cute. It was a cute name. <laughs> it's like potato <laughs> potato. <laughs> He's like, it's probably potato potato. And I was like, oh my god. Whoops. That's why people would just like look at me like, you said it go to potato potato. Uh that's awesome. I would still call it that if I were you. Potato potato, yeah. Potato potato. So that's my <laughs> new thing. Like, oh, potato, 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 potato. Uh now I've just been thinking about a potato bar though it's so good we did like taco meat we did pulled pork we did broccoli and cheese soup like the normal fixings like chives sour cream shit ton of nacho cheese hell yeah it was so good my kids like didn't want one like they didn't want potatoes so i just made them like walking tacos
0: well, that works, though, because you already have all the stuff. I already there. had all the stuff. It's, it's easy peasy.
1: Or you can just, like, get a bag of chips and make nachos, you know? Yeah. Like- I did. GFS has, like, walking taco bags that you can get, which are super cool. Just rip the top off. It's like a whole bowl. It's, like, bigger than, like, the individual ones. It was dope. Do you shop at GFS? Uh you know, I have been more <laughs> often because they have some really cool shit in there. I thought it was just for restaurants. <laughs> and no, you can go in there. You I mean they have a there? lot of yeah. It's not like Sam's Club. You don't have like a card to get in. It's like I not- thought it was. I thought you had to have like a red like it was like restaurant supply. And it's you like just go in there. They pull out like knives. <laughs> like you have to wear a chef's hat in to like put <laughs> them
0: to let you in.
1: <laughs> and anchor no.
0: I just mean cuz I always see, you know, that restaurants
1: get their, you know, food from there to serve. Oh my god, it's in like huge portions. They have yeah. normal portion stuff too, but like I got um I was supposed to make cookies for the um Boy Scout like Christmas party. So I was doing cookies and I was like and I ma- I have like not to brag, uh an amazing sugar cookie recipe. It is my go-to. I love it. It's my jam. I only bake from like 1st of December through the 1st of February. That's like my window where I bake a bunch of stuff. Well, I got started to get sick and I felt myself like with the body aches, GFS has pre cut cookie dough, Christmas cookie shapes. And I oh, was like, cool. Look, I'll just do this. So I made like a 100 cookies and then I got full on sick. And my germaphobe inside of me was like, you cannot serve these cookies to anyone because you would die if someone was at home sick and then brought the cookies from their home. So I just bought a bunch of cookies back at GFS because they also had pre-cooked cookies. <laughs> I don't know. I really like it. You can get like whole tubs of mashed potatoes. That sounds amazing. Next what time you just come need over. need a whole tub. Next time you potatoes? come over, we'll
0: just go because it's, well, there's one right across like I see one every day when I pop like, in am there. on my route. I'm gonna now I am because I really thought that you had to have some no. kind of membership to go in. I will all stop by. I um I shopped at your favorite grocery store yesterday. Publix.
1: <laughs> <gasps> Did you get a pub sub?
0: No, I didn't because Meg is I- coming in
1: live from Disney World right now. She's in the bathroom at Disney World. I'm
0: in, my laptop is on the toilet of my Walt Disney World Resort <laughs> Hotel. Hey. <laughs> hey, we're very fancy up in here. Um, I was one of the many, many, many Southwest flights that got canceled. Ooh, tell so, them what happened
1: because this is a good story. So for like
0: eight months, I've been planning to surprise my kids with a trip to Disney on Christmas morning. Absolutely worth it. And the night on Christmas Eve, I checked my flights and everything was good to go. There was nothing. And it all said, on time, on time, on time. I was like, perfect, great, because the storm was coming and I was nervous. But the weather on Christmas Day was supposed to be better. And then at 5 a.m. on Christmas morning, I got a text that was like, your flight is canceled. And I was like, no, no, <laughs> no. I bought these tickets in July. How could my flight be canceled? Um And I couldn't do anything on the website. And I couldn't, I was calling and I couldn't get through to anyone. I was on hold for like hours. And so I just told my husband, I'm like, we're driving. We are going to drive to Disney World right now. And so my kids woke up at like seven. We did Christmas presents. We told them we were going to Disney. And we packed our bags and left and drove 15 hours straight here. And now we've, Been here for it'll be three days tomorrow and my flight for thursday got canceled so we're gonna drive back but we're gonna take stops (laughs) because now we don't have to hurry to be here i would do it in two days that's my plan i think we're just gonna do like like an eight hour drive day and then another eight hour drive day. yeah just get a hotel
1: get something with an indoor pool the girls can like hang out and relax that's what i would do It
0: is my first Disney World trip, though, and it has been pretty – it has been magical.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is why I don't like to fly anywhere, though. I am the drive (laughs) until you die, girl. Like, the idea – And you know I'm the
0: opposite. You know Mm -hmm. i don't road trip. And this Mm -hmm. is, like – and you know what? I was thinking about this, too. I've never done a road trip where, like, there are stops planned. I am always, in a, in every road trip I've ever done is drive as hard as you can, as fast as you can until you get there and try to get no. it in as less time. And I've never done like an actual road trip. I drove to California in two days. I drove <laughs> to Florida in 15 hours. I
1: drove. Um, nope. I have a set itinerary, even down to like where I feel like we would eat. And then I book the hotels like, so I have a stopping point.
0: Yeah, I definitely am gonna do that for the way home because
1: I <laughs> uh,
0: that was rough. The kids were really good though; they did awesome. They were—I'm sure they were just running on the pure adrenaline of like their first Disney trip. <laughs> yeah, the way home will be smooth. I know, and that's what I was thinking. I'm just like the way home is gonna be a nightmare, so we will stop. We will find places to go.
1: We um we're going to uh, the Destin area for spring break. And we're going with my aunt. And she was like, check out flights. They're like this price and this price. And I was like, oh, we're driving. And my husband's like looking at me like, wait, what? what?" And I'm like, we're (laughs) driving. Like, it's not even an option. Like, we are not getting on a flight with these kids. We're driving. (laughs) I would have preferred
0: to fly, I will say. but Oh, uh... for sure. Like. That, that it was way bus. cheaper. Like they're gonna refund my flights, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: I spent like I think I filled my tank up maybe four or five times, and I only have a ten gallon tank because I have a small car.
1: Yeah,
0: and so it was like thirty to forty bucks each time. So it was oh, real cheap. cheap to
1: and get. That's, to why, that's why I do it. And then like on the way home, you can refund like because they're gonna comp all your stuff. Keep your hotel voucher too. Be like, look, we had to.
0: Disney. hotel for the way yeah no that's my plan i'm planning on being like hello ladies and gentlemen you said you would comp this because it inconvenienced me so please mm-hmm. please help Ugh. i have a i did give myself like a little bit more leeway on like food and stuff at though, because it ain't cheap to eat here <laughs> no no but i i instacarted Publix. i did i got like the free to like two week trial of Instagram mm-hmm. <laughs> canceled that
1: immediately. And then, um,
0: I'm using it while I'm here to get Instagram.
1: Do the pub subs before you guys leave. Even if you need to go, <laughs> they are actually don't, don't get it because if it's not the hype that I give you, you'll be disappointed. And I don't need that on my love
0: sandwiches too. It's hard. <laughs>
1: Pub you know subs. what? When, I,
0: when I'm driving home, if I see a Publix, I will stop and get one for like lunch or something. You have to
1: stop at Bucky's.
0: I did pass it. I saw
1: it. And you I like looked at at I
0: pointed it out. And I was, look, it's Bucky's from the TikToks. <laughs> yeah, the TikToks. The talk. From the talk. And uh, husband had no idea what I was talking about. Was absolutely like, what's, what's that? And I was like, it's like a, the Walmart of gas stations. And that's how I heard it described. So but I do plan on stopping there as well. You have to. They have
1: like you can get full what is the Bucky? A beaver? You can get beaver (laughs) outfits. Like Saint Karen's son has a Bucky the Beaver onesie with like the tail and everything that he wears around. You think they have that in my size? Yeah, they do because I saw someone as an adult (laughs) with one on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna expect that. I will see what I can do.
0: Put we'll it on the receipt
1: of- to send to Southwest. <laughs> I'll
0: be like, I feel like this was absolutely mandatory. I had to get gas and food. This was part of it. Like this was. Yeah. I was I uncomfortable driving. I would, yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> need this if
1: I was on a plane. I was on a two-hour flight versus a two-day drive. Well, the next time we're going to see our, or hear our listeners is 2023. Oh, my
0: God where did this year go
1: I know we'll have one bonus episode that'll be coming out right at the end of the year new year probably on the first and then a couple minis that'll probably drop then too being sick this month kind of screwed us but uh and by me like screwed me I haven't wanted you to know do what anything. this this is your year you're not gonna get sick in January <laughs> no um I'm actually getting ready to start getting like the infusions, like the vitamin infusions. I don't give a shit what they cost. IVs. Yeah, like I gotta do I gotta do something. This was a very rough year for sickness in my whole. Yeah, you should try it. See it, see how you feel. I guess I could take over the counter vitamins, but who wants to do that? I can barely remember to take my ADHD and antipsychotic and medications. But I can
0: get this sweet IV infusion.
1: hmm um, mm-hmm. I hope that works. I do. Uh, tell me. Ru. If anyone else has done that, or if you just know anything that's gonna make me be health, like I I'm trying to not be as sick all the time. I'm also looking for a personal trainer who can do some meal plans for a girl. So if you're any, any of vet, these things. I've got one of those that you know, and she's pretty good. Really?
0: Yeah. We'll talk. We'll
1: talk. <laughs> we'll talk. But okay. if you also What's... can offer any of these services, holler true. <laughs>
0: We'll uh, we'll see you in 2023. Bye. Bye.
1: Thank you so much for
0: listening to Gruesome Horrific True Crime, a Zencaster-powered podcast. Seriously, we wouldn't be here without them. Zencaster is simple to use and makes it easy to edit your own podcast. Zencaster gives you automatic, high-quality post-production sound, transcription, and HD video recordings of all All of your episodes. If you want to start a podcast, and we think you should, click the link in the show notes or at our website, and use the code
1: Gruesome with a capital G for thirty percent off your first three months. We love you, beautiful strangers, and if you love us too, here are some ways that you can support Gruesome. Please leave us a five star review on Apple Podcast or a five star rating on Spotify. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us. Follow us at Gruesome Podcast on Instagram or TikTok and talk to us on our posts. Join the Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club
0: and gain access to bonus episodes and exclusive Patreon perks. Or if a one-time donation is more your thing, we have a Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and a PayPal via our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com.
1: Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us your questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week. And don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors.
0: And on Wednesdays, we're We're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. (laughs)